folks. You can open to the Gospel of Matthew this evening. We're going to take a look in the Gospel of Matthew at chapter 18. And uh, it's interesting because in my weekly schedule, I endeavor to have messages prepared well in advance. Um, And so usually by Tuesday evening, if I... I'm not ready for Sunday, on top of all the other things that I have in the week, that, that causes me a little bit of anxiety. So this past week, I, I worked a little bit late on Tuesday night, and I had everything all done and all set for the messages this Sunday. And it's fantastic the way the Lord works. The irony of this message will not escape you if you're a member of Evangel Assembly. But I have to ask you tonight, have you ever had a disagreement with someone that was really difficult to resolve? Now, if you're married and you didn't say yes, then you're probably lying. And if you have kids and you didn't say yes, you're probably also lying. And if you are a human being living and breathing on earth and you didn't say yes, you're probably lying. I think we've all had disagreements with people that have been difficult to resolve. My son Ben plays hockey. He's had a passion for hockey since he knew what hockey was. I tried everything I could to discourage it because it's expensive. And it takes a lot of time. And I'm not athletic, so why would my son be athletic? So anyhow, you just couldn't shake it from him. So we agreed that one year he would do a a beginner's hockey school. We lived in Ontario. Loved it. He got on the ice, never skated before, made two strides, fell flat on his face, got right back up like he was Wayne Gretzky and carried on and fell some more and some more. And some more, but he, he's, he's developed into quite a fantastic hockey player. He joined minor hockey when we moved here to Yarmouth. And so he came to me between second and third period of a game just a couple of weeks ago. And he was really upset. He said, Dad, number 18 keeps shoving me every time we're on the ice together. And caught up in the moment as I said, I said well, Ben, shove him back then. Wish I had a camera to capture the look on his face that went from discouraged and defeated to, really? I had to clarify. I said, Ben, I mean, don't do anything illegal. Um, You know, don't get a penalty. Don't hurt anyone. Just, you know, I've learned as watching Ben play hockey and every time there's a collision and a crash and we say, Ben, be careful. He says, this is what hockey's about. That you have a position to play, and you guard that position, and someone wants to encroach on that territory, you stand your ground. And so if you've ever watched hockey, there is a lot of that connection and shoving and contact that happens, which is for one of the, that's one of the 500 reasons I likely never, ever played hockey as a kid, and I don't think I ever will. Pastor Aaron played hockey as a kid which is number 501, why I don't want to play hockey. Because why would someone of my stature, where are you, Pastor Aaron? Oh, he's, he's, he's flown away somewhere. There, there you are. Pastor Aaron, you played hockey. 
when you were a teenager a little bit. Yeah, so as I was saying, you are reason number 501 why I don't want to play hockey because why would someone of my stature want to be shoved down on hard ice by someone of your stature? Nevertheless, it makes good watching. We flock to the Mariners and the NHL. Unfortunately, though, Every conflict in life cannot be settled with a little shove on the ice. Many are far more difficult, and and some can just become silly. I think you've all heard of the story, maybe not of the actual individual, but the the idea that years ago, and it was 1992 actually, a, a, a woman sued McDonald's because she spilled a cup of coffee on her lap and it burned her. We'll just let that settle in for a moment. It was McDonald's fault that the coffee burned her because they didn't warn her it was hot. And she got $2.9 million for it. I mean, you can Google it and and just fact check this. But from what I read this week, she got $2.9 million in damages because McDonald's didn't warn her that her cup of coffee was hot and she spilled it on her lap. The point is this. There's a better way to resolve things than dragging people to court, suing people. In fact, for those who follow Christ, that's not even how the Apostle Paul encourages us to respond when we feel that we are wronged. The Apostle Paul says not to do that. Jesus seems to think in the Gospel of Matthew that there's a much better way, especially for brothers and sisters in the church, to resolve disagreements and conflicts. And so Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 15 says this, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, take it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And then it's interesting, there's another passage in the Gospel of Matthew. If you turn your your pages back a little bit to chapter 5, Matthew 5, verses 23 to 25 says this therefore if you are offering your guilt at the altar remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there go and be reconciled and then come and offer your gift verse 25 settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court do it while you are still with him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. So Jesus gives us a little bit of advice on managing things when we have disagreements. And I'm convinced that if we follow these these steps that Jesus has given us, then 99% of the conflicts, maybe that's a little high, but 99% of the conflicts, at least as it depends on us, can be handled 
better. And so this is what Jesus says in a nutshell. Four things, and we're going to unpack them. First, we handle conflict quickly. And then we handle it face-to-face, one-on-one, and we can get help when we need it. The first thing is this, do it quickly. We just read that passage. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warned that a believer that harbored anger against a brother or sister was just as guilty in God's eyes as one who had committed murder. And so when we see that Jesus says that anger is this serious, how much more important is it for us to process it and get rid of it and dispel it really quickly? And this is really hard. Because when someone has wronged you, don't you have a right to be angry? Especially if it's a legitimate wrong, don't you have a right? That's what we feel inside. And sometimes we hold on to anger and resentment as as humans for so long that sometimes we literally do not even know who we would be or what we would talk about if we didn't have that hurt or that anger that defined us. Now, I realize that some of us here tonight have experienced very painful backgrounds. And I don't want to minimize the pain that you may have experienced in in a relationship, in a dispute. But what Jesus calls for in this passage is not easy. This resolving things quickly. And it may require professional help to accomplish. It may not be finished or resolved quickly, but Jesus says this get started on it soon. Get started on it right away. In fact, in verse 23 and 24, he says that settling conflict between a brother or a sister might even be more important than our act of worship. That if we are in the middle of an act of worship and we remember a brother or sister might have something against us, then we ought to even leave the worship setting, go and be reconciled and come back to the worship setting. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen before. Except maybe at youth camp years ago when I was a youth pastor. I don't recall the speaker and I don't recall the topic, but I do recall that he, he encouraged them if God was challenging their hearts to reconcile with their parents on some number of issues, to not even wait until they go home from camp, to do it right now. And I remember a stream of kids running out to the payphones at Camp Evangeline. It was only a quarter then. Putting in the quarter and calling parents, asking for reconciliation and asking for restoration. It was fantastic. I remember in Foundations several years ago, not here at Evangel, a gentleman shared his testimony about how he and his daughter had been estranged for so many years, and he didn't even remember why anymore. And the next week, he came back with a letter that he wrote to her. And he just wrote this letter and said, I just, I just want to start talking again. I don't even know why we're not talking. And he wanted us to pray for him, and he sent the letter. And then before Foundations was done, he came and said, my daughter and her husband that I had never met came over for dinner last night, and we spent hours together talking. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And so this passage in Matthew seems to be saying that we ought to resolve conflict 
quickly. How quickly, you might ask? Well, Ephesians 4.26 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so apparently, on top of, we, we have to be more on top of conflict in the winter than in the summer because the sun goes down an awful lot earlier in the wintertime. But the principle is this. There's wisdom sometimes in having a cooling off period. There's wisdom sometimes in sleeping on it and picking it up again with a different frame of mind. But the principle here is do not delay. And so that's do it quickly. And secondly, when we look over at Matthew 18, what Jesus is saying, he says, go and share it with your brother and even face to face, not Facebook to Facebook. Sometimes we do that. But you know, posting something on Facebook, I know I don't have to, preaching to the choir here, maybe a few, a few young folks that have Facebook, but you know, uh, posting something on Facebook is just as good as going down Main Street and screaming it out loud. But I don't think we, we remember that sometimes. I saw this great thing once on, online. It was, a, it was a Christian lady. Uh, I've, I've met her. She's connected with Evangel. I think she attends another church now. She said this. You know, she was talking about how Facebook can be difficult. And she said, you know, I've, I've sure never seen Facebook make the blind to see, but I sure have made it seen it make the dumb to speak. Now, you know, face-to-face communication is, is difficult. It's difficult. But there's value in that. We can fire off a, an angry email or an angry text message or things like that, but it's harder to come and to sit down in front of a brother or sister and say, this has happened and we need to patch this up. That's hard. And then Jesus sometimes makes it even harder. He says this, third thing, and do it one-on-one. Pay attention to Matthew 8, 18, 15. He says, just between the two of you. Now, in that statement alone, I just may have identified the sin your closest Christian friend has been helping you commit for many years. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but have you ever talked about someone before you've talked to someone? I'm pretty sure that's another one of those things that if we are a living and breathing human being on earth, we probably can think of a time when we can say, yes, I've talked about a situation to someone before I talked to someone. Sometimes, if we're really spiritual, we just turn it into a prayer request. Pastor, remember sister in prayer? She said the horriblest things to me this week. My family's not here tonight, so um, Spencer is uh, keen for this. Everything that you don't want him to share comes out as a prayer request. If you're in Sunday school, yep, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Jesus says, take the matter to this person just between the two of you. Now, of course, the one exception to this rule is when you're talking to God about the conflict you're having. That's a necessary step. We need to pray before we address it with another person and ask God to give us wisdom to know what to say. Ask God to give us the wisdom to know what parts of the conflict we just need to own and the parts of the conflict that we need to work on when we talk to another person. When I was reading and studying this week, I read about a counselor who applied the 10% rule when couples would come to him for counseling. He tried to get each person to account for 10% of the problem or take responsibility for 10% of the problem. And so most reasonable people, they'd be willing to own 10% of a problem, right? And so then he would tell each person to go back and work on their 10%. And then in the next session, when they got together, his logic was this. The problem will be 20% solved. And so in a nutshell, talk to God about the other person before you talk to the other person. But talk to the other person before you talk to other people about this. And what if you can't get to the other person before the sun goes down? What if the sun has gone down on your anger lots and lots of times? What if it isn't even possible to resolve because someone has passed on? It doesn't mean that you're stuck. It doesn't mean that you can't, you can't resolve this. It just means do everything in your power right now with God's help to move on beyond that. Now... If that doesn't work, here's the last thing. The last portions of this passage. Get some help. Jesus lays out the biblical system for escalation. Sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, you have to deal with so-and-so because they've done this. Or, Pastor, you have no idea what this person has done. And so I say, have you talked with them about it yet? And they will say, sometimes yes, oftentimes no, that's what I want you to do. And then we need to go back to Matthew 18 and realize that when the lead pastor steps in, that's escalated things quite a bit, and we might be able to resolve them first. And so what happens if you meet with a person one-on-one -on -one and you just can't come to a resolution together? First, Jesus says, take one or two trusted mutual friends who can help you mediate the conflict. Now, this isn't the time where you bring a mob you don't gang up on people. You bring one or two trusted friends. When I was first an associate minister in Essex, Ontario, I had to deliver some difficult news to an individual. There was a situation that had arisen several times. The individual was not following my lead, and the individual had to no longer lead under me. And so I had to deliver that unfortunate news. And so I told that person I needed to speak with you after work today. And you know what? I told that person to bring a friend with them. And I also brought a friend with me who was a little bit unaware of the whole situation, who told me it was the most awkward 10 moments of his entire life and asked me never to do that to him ever again. 
But Jesus says if there is no resolution face to face, bring friends, bring some trusted people, not that you can gang up, not that can go and, and, and start, you know, like my son Ben on the ice, shove back. No, no, no. It's about bringing other people to bring other perspectives to help resolve this conflict. And if there's still no resolution after that, Jesus says there's one more step. Bring it to the church. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean bring it to the church foyer. It doesn't mean bring it to the church Facebook page. It doesn't even mean bring it to the church prayer request. It means that this far, you've not made headway, and so now it's time to say, Pastor, local church leadership, I need your help, because this has escalated way beyond what I can manage. And you know what, folks? I'd love to tell you that as soon as you get me and the board involved, problems go away just like that. Everything is fine but you know what? It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes other people just are not interested in reconciliation. Sometimes, as that's why the Apostle Paul says, as best as it depends on you or as much as it depends on you, live peacefully with one another. But he had to say as much as it depends on you because sometimes the reconciliation, the desire for it, the maturity for it is just not there. Jesus knew that. And so he said, what happens if this doesn't work? What happens if you've gone face to face, one on one, and struck out? And then what happens if you bring some trusted friends to help mediate it and you've struck out? And then you've brought in the superstars, the local church board and the pastor, and you've said, come on, I need some help. And, and I know it's hard to imagine, but even they have struck out. What do we do then? Well, Jesus says, you do this. If he refuses to even listen to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And how do we treat pagans or tax collectors? We love them and we pray that God would reach their hearts. We understand that they are living outside of the boundaries that we would call faith in God, following the leading of the Spirit. But we love them and we pray that God would reach their hearts. And so I'm convinced that if we took Jesus' instructions seriously and did these things that we would have a better chance of resolving more conflicts. Maybe I'll step back from that 99%, but we'd have a better chance of resolving more conflicts with less collateral damage if we followed Jesus' pattern. Because it's not easy to do this. It's not easy to follow this pattern because what we really want to do is get a posse of people on board and go and show our brother why they have been mistaken because we're certain that they have been mistaken. We want to argue our case. We want to plead our case. We want to go and, and just, just deliver the, the linchpin that clinches it all, that we are right. But Jesus says, no, I'll do it my way. Do it differently. And you know what? 
it might not work out 100% of the time. And if it doesn't, then you treat them like a pagan or a tax collector, which in the New Testament church, we love them and we pray that the Lord will reach their hearts. And so if you are in conflict with someone or if there's a situation that's been bothering you and you just don't know what to do, turn to Matthew 18. Read this passage. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in what steps to take next. And if you're not here next Sunday night, I'll assume it's because you're off resolving a conflict with someone somewhere. And the week after, you'll be back, and you'll be back to worship, and you'll be back to tell us what has happened. And so, in a nutshell, before I pray tonight, Jesus says this, we resolve quickly. Don't delay. Don't delay any more than you have to. Make sure you cool off enough so you're not reacting and responding. So, but do it quickly. As much as you can, do it face-to-face. Start one-on-one, and if that doesn't work, then we can get help. And then if that doesn't work, we simply love and pray that the Lord will change a heart. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. And I just pray, Lord, that we can get our minds focused on you. Because your word says in the book of Ephesians that we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of this dark world. And so, Lord, when we have difficulties with with one another, when, when our minds run rampant with ideas and things and, and, and we have conflict and difficulty, Lord, we know that your word says the enemy is pulling strings behind that and we just simply need to come to you and follow your lead and follow your guide. And so, Lord, I just pray that no matter what we are facing tonight, this week in our lives, that we keep our focus on you And we let you do the battle on our behalf. And all we do, at the very least, if we can't resolve things, we love and we pray. So I thank you for this, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.